Next Wave Global Trade from EY. Hello and welcome to the podcast series from EY Global Services. I'm Justine Green and with global trade experiencing such uncertain times, we continue to look at how organisations can respond to survive and grow. Each episode will be joined by expert guests to share their opinion and insight on our theme. Our focus this time is on the shortage of microchips and the impact on the automotive industry. Joining us from London is Anil Valson, EY Global Automotive and Transportation Lead Analyst. Hello, Anil. Hello, Justine. Anil, let's just start by explaining what microchips, also known as semiconductors, are and why are they so important? So, semiconductor chips uh, essentially comprise of multiple electronic components that are packed on silicon wafer. Uh, these semiconductor chips are grouped into four types. So one is what we call as memory chips. You have microprocessors. You've got commodity integrated circuits or standard chips. And the last one, which is a bit more complex, called systems on a chip. Now, uh, in a nutshell, these chips are present in almost uh, every uh, device that we use from you know, personal electronics to uh, you know, complex communication devices, healthcare systems, military systems, transportation, clean energy, just to name a few. Now, cars are much more reliant on technology these days. How are chips used in the automotive industry and more broadly in other products? These chips actually control quite a significant number of functions. Within cars, uh, you would often typically know them as electronic control units, and uh, they are a part of everything from controlling, for example, the wipers and windows to the infotainment systems to how the engines uh, or even electric uh, motors uh, in the electric vehicles perform to controlling the advanced driver assistance systems like collision avoidance or lane keeping systems. More broadly, as I mentioned earlier, these chips play a significant part of a lot of the electronic devices that we use every day. So from the TV sets or to your smart speakers and so on. So uh, as you can imagine, those consumer electronic devices are the biggest market for these chips. Explain a chip's journey from when it leaves the factory to how it ends up in, for example, a car's engine management system. So once the semiconductors are manufactured, they are actually transported by air or land, depending on the origin and destination country. Uh, And as a consequence, you can imagine there are significant number of international border clearances, customs clearances, uh, and so on. Now, most of the packaging happens in around Asia. So imagine mainland China, Malaysia, Philippines, Vietnam, and other countries in the Pacific Rim. Once the packaging and testing itself is done, then these materials are consolidated in a different location before being transported to an automotive tier one or tier two supplier who would then take these chips and put them into you know, modules or systems, which is then delivered to a manufacturer. How big a consumer of microchips is the automotive industry? They are roughly about $68 billion, uh, and they're expected to grow quite significantly by roughly about 7% uh, between 2019 and 2026. Now, having said that, if you take all the sectors that consume semiconductor chips, the auto industry is actually a very small proportion of it. They make up only 10% of the semiconductor industry's revenues. Um, the biggest sectors that consume semiconductor chips are communication and computers sectors. Uh, they consume roughly about a third each of um, the, uh, the semiconductor chips that are produced. Across business in general, why is there such a shortage of chips this year? Part of the the reason is because of the pandemic. 
It forced manufacturers to shut down a lot of their plants. Um, and as a consequence, a lot of the auto suppliers cancelled their orders, including for chips. Now, what they did not realize was that with these chips, uh, there is a significant lead time from uh, placement of the order to actual delivery. And when demand for vehicles actually started ramping up late last year, um, and the auto industry started ramping up production, um, the suppliers tried to place those orders again. But when they placed those orders, they found that the semiconductor industry could not service them because a lot of the other sectors had continued to maintain some of their volume and uh, you know their, their consumption of chips. So the auto industry almost went to the back of the queue. And it's not just the auto industry that's facing the shortage. A lot of the other consumer electronic sectors are, uh, for example, the gaming console manufacturers are all um, complaining about chip shortage and expected to have an impact on uh, their ability to meet demand. Okay, well, let's look in more detail about the impact of what we'll call Chipageddon on the motor industry next. Next Wave Global Trade. Anil, to what degree has the car industry's quicker-than-anticipated bounce back contributed to the shortage of semiconductors? As demand picked up, um, the industry was trying to ramp production back up very quickly, uh, and they were expecting their supply chain also uh, to start ramping up production quickly. Uh, but what they did not realize is uh, and, and recognize is the fact that the supply chain for the auto industry is typically is very deep, meaning there are multiple tiers of suppliers um, that they are dependent on. And some of the suppliers in the lower tiers are not as well prepared to quickly ramp up their production. The manufacturers, because they did not have visibility into the supply chain, did not realize that bottleneck. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the foundries that they're dependent on for manufacturing these chips um, d- did not have the capacity to allocate to the auto industry the chips that the auto industry needed. And consequently, it caused a bottleneck and the shortage. So what's been the impact of this shortage on the automotive sector? We've had a number of manufacturers, passenger vehicle manufacturers, commercial vehicle manufacturers, shut down their factories for short intervals, for long intervals. Um, as a direct consequence of the chip shortage. We've also seen the prices of semiconductors actually increase quite significantly. You know, as you can imagine, when demand uh, significantly uh, exceeds supply, prices are bound to increase. And in the case of semiconductors, for example, between November and December 2020, we had seen an increase of over 30%. Can you estimate how many fewer vehicles are being produced and the resulting knock-on effect on workforces? Sure. While it is hard to put an exact number, uh, we'll refer to some of the estimates put out by uh, other research agencies in this case. So, for instance, um, you know, LMC Automotive estimates roughly about 2.2 million vehicles production loss for the, the light vehicle industry. Similarly, for commercial vehicles, um, you know, uh, another uh, agency estimates roughly about 3% of the commercial vehicle production to be lost between Europe and North America as a direct consequence of the um, semiconductor shortage. Have some automotive manufacturers been hit harder by the shortage than others, or is it the same level of disruption for all? We have seen manufacturers in North America and Europe hit uh, a bit uh, harder. Uh, There have been some manufacturers who have been slightly better prepared because they had they adopted a slightly different sourcing strategy uh, when it came to semiconductor chips. One brand in particular, what we found was they had stockpiled chips for uh, for about three, four months. And as a consequence, 
they had some amount of inventory, whereas the other manufacturers were using strategies like just-in-time, which meant their suppliers barely had any inventory, and therefore they were impacted a lot more. And why does the automotive industry operate on a just-in-time model? What the industry found was because there are such a significant number of components that go into a vehicle, financially there is a huge amount of working capital that gets locked when the industry they build up inventory for various components along the manufacturing process. So as manufacturers set up more efficient uh, production lines, assembly lines, they created supplier parks which could uh, directly deliver assembled modules into the uh, production lines. There was less of a need to maintain uh, these inventories at the manufacturers themselves and they could pass on that inventory management lower down the supply chain. And obviously, you know, what it meant is it started freeing up some of their working capital itself. It had other benefits like the amount of storage that they warehousing and storage they required and so on. So there was a whole host of benefits. But the other consequence of it was the lack of visibility of their supply chain meant that if there was a breakdown in any of the lower tiers, it you know cascaded up the supply chain and had a huge impact on manufacturing. So why didn't the car producers as a whole anticipate this problem arising? Um, There are two primary reasons. So one is the sourcing strategy that the industry was using, which was, you know, in many instances, there's a lot of just-in-time sourcing. The second one is a more fundamental issue in the industry, which is that the manufacturers don't actually have visibility into their supply chain. So they know what is the level of inventory, the capability, uh, the lead times and so on required for their tier one suppliers, but they don't have visibility beyond those tier one suppliers. So uh, for instance, they wouldn't necessarily know who are the next two or three tiers of suppliers or where those components are actually coming from, um, uh, from different parts of the world. So that lack of visibility is another significant reason for this shortage. What has been the response from the chip suppliers enabled to meet demand? From a chip manufacturing uh, perspective, the semiconductor chip manufacturers, they've slowly started dedicating some capacity. They're bringing some more capacity online to meet the growing demand. But the fundamental issue that the chip industry also has is the technology that the auto industry uses is slightly outdated and therefore it is actually less profitable compared to some of the chips that are used in sectors like uh, gaming or in some of the other Uh, consumer electronics uh, sector. So therefore, you know, the chip industry struggles to prioritize the the need of the auto industry. Nevertheless, uh, they have started creating some manufacturing lines for uh, meeting this this demand, but it's not necessarily going to be sufficient or come online to meet the full demands of the auto industry. All right, in our final part next, we'll talk about potential outcomes. Anil, do you think there's an over-reliance on Asia for chip production? Do you think there needs to be more manufacturing alternatives? Absolutely. I think the over-reliance almost came as an evolution of supply chains of the auto industry and other sectors actually globalized. And what happened was in Asia, there was obviously the cost of labor, the level of automation. It made sense to concentrate some of this manufacturing in that region. And uh, no doubt it's come back to bite a lot of the sectors uh, now. What we are finding as a direct consequence of this chip shortage is uh, various governments are recognizing the over-reliance 
on uh, these geographies. And what we are finding is a number of governments around the world are planning significant investments to create their own local uh, semiconductor supply chain. So, for instance, in Europe is targeting roughly a 20% share uh, of the advanced semiconductor manufacturing by 2030. The U.S. government is allocating roughly $22 billion towards um, semiconductor R&D and manufacturing efforts, just to name a, a couple of them. We've heard and, uh, of similar investments from uh, governments like India, China, Japan, and so on. So um, there is an initiative to make the semiconductor manufacturing more local, but these capacities are not going to come online anytime soon. There is a significant lead time to setting it up. Semiconductor manufacturing is capital intensive, so it will take some amount of time. What are the automotive companies doing to respond to the current shortage? So we see the automakers adopting a few different strategies in response to this crisis. So one is uh, we see manufacturers shutting down production plants for you know short durations uh, regularly. And of course, as a direct consequence, it has an impact on temporarily laying off staff and so forth. The other strategy we see manufacturers adopting is trying to purchase uh, or directly connect with semiconductor chip manufacturers and trying to source directly from them, setting up contractual agreements with uh, these semiconductor manufacturers. Uh, the third strategy we see these companies adopting is working through the governments and trying to establish channels, trying to establish specific trade agreements to secure sourcing of these chips. Could the automotive manufacturers have done anything more to be better prepared and more resilient? Well, in hindsight, uh, there are a few things they could have considered. So one is, for example, reconfiguration. They could potentially have diversified their supply chain to identify and and to recognize some of these choke points. Their over-reliance on specific um, sectors or companies and specifically also recognizing the extent of lead time required for some of these components. The other is, from a resiliency perspective, moving away from just generally adopting strategies like just-in-time to adopting an inventory strategy that would be more uh, reflective of the uh, sourcing complexity associated with specific components, anticipating and planning ways around different scenarios. So identifying potential scenarios where some of these components could be choke points and identifying workarounds for such components. And I'm not sure the industry had done uh, some of that when it comes to sourcing of semiconductors uh, and chips. Will these manufacturers be vulnerable to other supply chain shortages in the future uh, that could delay the economic recovery? There is certainly a risk, and we have seen in the past, from time to time, there have been instances where a tier two or three supplier has an incident. For example, it could have been a pigment manufacturer whose plant had a fire and has resulted in a significant breakdown in the supply chain. We do expect similar issues to unfortunately continue until the industry gets greater visibility of its supply chain. When do you think the chip supply will be properly restored? This crisis could unfortunately continue all the way into 2021, um, and it may take either late 21 or even early 22 before the crisis itself is reasonably resolved and the industry is able to secure steady supply chains. Finally, how much of a wake-up call has this been for the automotive sector and governments? 
it is a huge issue that they've recognized. And we've also seen a lot of auto suppliers recognizing it as an opportunity that they can actually invest and meet an urgent need that the auto manufacturers have. When it comes to governments, again, what we recognize is, A, the governments are have put aside certain investment for chip research and manufacturing. And as I mentioned, we see investments being announced in markets like India, for instance, that wants to have uh, its own independent semiconductor production facility. Uh, China aims to produce 70% of the chips that its industries need by 2025. You know, the Biden administration has made supply chain resiliency top priority and semiconductor chips are a part of that plan. And uh, it's part of the incentive that it has announced for semiconductor manufacturing and research. Uh, The European Union has created an initiative called the Important Project for Common European Interest, IPCEI, to steer investment into the chip sector. And they've also started making investments in specific uh, semiconductor companies to help them stand up independent manufacturing. And Lil, it's been great talking to you. Thanks very much for your insight on this hot topic. Thank you, Justine. It was wonderful speaking to you too. Do join us again next time when we'll continue to discuss global trade with our expert guests. Also, you can subscribe to this series so you won't miss an episode. From me, Justine Green and Anil Valsan, it's thanks for listening and goodbye. Next Wave Global Trade, back soon.